So, Peggy Chan, welcome Hello. to Breakfast with Bob Z. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Good to have you here on a glorious morning after Typhoon Mangut. That I don't know if you've noticed, but it really we've lost some big, big trees around here. We lost an Indian rubber tree just, just up the steps. Yeah. A giant. Maybe she was 60, 70, 80 years yeah, old. So sad. All the trees in the back terrace got hammered. Uh, we're very lucky that some of these big ones here are still standing. Anyway, um, just to put us into perspective, um, we're the 19th of September. World Peace Day is in two days, September 21st. Three days ago, we had Typhoon Mangut that just hammered Hong Kong mm -hmm. and brought up a lot of styrofoam and stuff which we can talk about. But anyway, first, um, you don't need much introduction in Hong Kong. Um, you are the force and the heart and the mind behind Grassroots Pantry, which is definitely um, one of the pioneering restaurants um, in Hong Kong and beyond. But also, your background is you've studied um, hotel management and business in Switzerland, and you've studied culinary arts in Canada. And when we first met, um, you were in the hotel world, engulfed, swamped, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And how did we meet, remember? Um, I used to, it's quite funny, this was around almost, 11 years ago, I think. Yeah. 2008. Yeah, 10, 11 years ago. Yeah, yeah 2008. Um, when you were launching Save the Humans. Mm. And on my off days, I would, off days from work at the hotel, I would be doing kind of my thing, which was you know, external research and watching a lot of documentaries on food and food politics, sustainability. Um, I was doing a lot of research on food industry in general and even though my world was so involved into hotelier and how to become a really good manager my heart wasn't really there and so um, during my off days I would be reading and self-educating on all of these things and self-educating on plant-based foods and what I should eat because I was already vegetarian um, and so when I met you, with and I bumped into you and Eve, I was very in, with intrinsically Eve. lovely Eve Chan. Yes. yes, connected because you know the way you dress and the way, the way you present yourself. I was in my previous days back in Canada. I was the same. You know, mm. I was a hippie, hippie. Bohemian. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, and I, I enjoyed that lifestyle. But at the same time, I knew that. Um, to be in a city like Hong Kong and for people, look, like I was already trying to get the hotel industry to accept me um, for my beliefs and for what I was trying to do in terms of managing people. Uh, so for me, it was a way to try to fit in. Mm. Um, and it was at Cafe O, right? Yes, it was at Cafe O. I, I used to spend so much time there, yes, like a lot, because I used to practice yoga in the century above, come down and spend hours, and I would have met you in yeah. one of those hours. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We were just both working on our own thing, and then I overheard you working on Save the Human, which is one of my most passionate things that I believe in, and then we just got connected, and that's how, that's how 
And then you end up being involved with Save the Human, yes. right? Yeah. With some of the fundraising, creating food for one of your launches, I believe. Yeah. You had that event at Solas with the media yeah. and t-shirts, and yeah, that was a great event. And of course, we ended up doing the uh, infomentary, the little six and a half minute video yes. that ended up ended up winning best documentary at the iShot Hong Kong Film Festival. Yeah, 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 I remember. And that kind of got it out into the wider audience, and then we took it schools we toured schools yeah. together right? we were yeah we were doing we went to your yes and we gave a talk there and then you know i was doing that at least one or two talks a week and, and showing save the human and just inspiring all these young minds and of course that led on to other things and you know snowballed into other movements today and like green mondays and yeah. got schools going plant-based one or twice a week and yeah that was that was a lovely moment um, 2008 2009 I was kind of starting to pull my energies out of life cafe a little bit I'd realized that life wasn't going in the right direction and then after we met we became friends and then you would come a lot to life cafe and then we would meet more often in life cafe I think yeah. than we did outside Absolutely. yeah I mean that's some it's hard to get and it's hard to be connected with someone who just understands yeah. where you're coming from and yeah. understands that your passion. Mm. And I think that that's something that we have always had a connection with is mm. you don't need to discuss about it. You know, no. This is the right thing to do. This is what we need to do. Yeah. And this is what we're going to spend our entire yeah. life and career yeah. years doing. Yeah. And I think that's something that I love about you is that over the years, you have not stopped no. pushing, you know, and pushing for this cause. Mm. And I think that's just... Yeah, so grateful for you to inspire me throughout, you know, and it's good to have people who, you know, try to kind of catch you when you're falling and yeah, it's good to know that we have a friend around. <laughs> we all need our rocks and our anchors, don't we? Especially this fickle, fickle society and world we live in, here today, gone tomorrow. But then our relationship continued and we tried to partner up, didn't we? Um, <laughs> And remember, on 11 of January 2011, so 11 we had that um, event at Sinsin's Art Gallery, the three galleries actually, to try and fundraise money for Babylon, which eventually becomes Mana. And then you were heavily involved with that as much as I were, and we were preparing foods, and we showed Barak, I think, mm -hmm. and we had the fire dancers, remember? Yeah, absolutely. We had it was, did a PowerPoint presentation and it was amazing. I think that the business side of things and and uh, but yeah, sadly, it's, as you know, it was very difficult to raise funds. Yeah, it was a struggle, especially back then. And, and I of, saw that it was really hurting you a lot. As yeah, well. yeah. And only a few years after that did I really understand how you felt mm. when I was raising money for one hundred and eight. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, it's a, a form of foreshadow, but the things that you go through um, in, intrinsically, you kind of see that other people are sensing, but then yeah. do you really know how they feel? No. You don't, unless you One who feels it, it knows it, right? Yeah. One who feels it knows it. Yeah. Um, but you can emphasize, you, you can uh, be empathetic about it and, and uh, get inspired and, and, you know, get an insight into it. But really until you experience it, until you feel it, one never really knows it. 
you know, and we've been through uh, ups and downs since, right? So, um, when I signed on to Babylon, um, it was literally the reason why I had left hotel. Yeah. It kind of worked out at the same time. It was a leap right? of faith. Yeah. And I had, during that time, also um, applied to the University of Gastronomic Science in Italy, um, started by the Slow Food Movement. Mm. Uh, to do a master's degree in food communications and politics and such. Um, I actually got in, but um, because of Babylon, I decided that I would maybe postpone that. Right. Yeah, that was supposed to start in March of 2012. Right, 2011. 2011, yes, yeah. yes. So, I mean, it, um, sometimes I think back and think about, was it a good choice to that and then go on and help you and then eventually go on and start yeah. yeah or should I have just went to school and what would have happened you know, yeah then to Hong Kong no yeah. we, we have to trust our destiny and the course and the winds of change that blow us and in different directions and but I remember it was quite a stressful time for you because it was a time of change going through my close to Saturn yeah, 28, 27, 28, right? So I remember we were, we were talking about that as well. Because you had this career in the hotels. You were, it was a good career. You were respected, well-established, and you could only climb the ladder there. But your heart was definitely into something more like what we were doing with Life Cafe. And then we said, okay, let's open Babylon together. And then we went down that route. And you sacrificed not going to Italy. Right, and I was sacrificing pulling out of Life Cafe, saying, "Okay, um, I'm gonna drop everything I'm doing, my position, my salary, da da da, to build Babylon." So we both kind of broke out a little bit, and then I remember we had that struggle with the investors. Here's one million today, gone tomorrow. Here's two million today, gone tomorrow. And, uh, it's so painful. And I remember getting the phone call from you. I was in Camden Market in London. It was around Easter time. This is so fun to talk about. It was Easter time, 2011, and you said, Bob, I can't. I can't. I can't, you know. Um, and I remember where I was. Yeah. Like yeah. For me already? Yeah. I can't imagine how painful it was for you. It was. I felt, oh my God. I, I felt a bit let down um, in a sense, yeah. but fully understood. But I remember where I was. It was a beautiful market in Camden. I sat down afterwards and, like, again? You know, again? You know? But anyway, we went our ways. And, no, I, mean, I think there's a reason for yeah, it. Yeah, they're right? well, looking back now, you can see the reason. And it, it was that September, that August and September of 2011, where I actually uh, met Christian, who eventually became my business partner, and then very quickly we found the location in Wellington Street. And, you know, it took us six months to open Nana because we're slow coaches. We like to do things properly, so we got we got the location in September. I think that's another thing for me. I am to such, learn from, or to avoid. I'm impatient, but I not not patient, but I need to see things go, and I need yeah. to move things along. Yeah. So like, there's always a start and an end to all of my projects, and if I think up something, it needs to happen. 
and I put energy into it, it needs to happen. So very rarely do I create something and it doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's, I think that, that that's a different, different yeah. uh, sorry, that's a different difference between us because I'm such a practical person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not a dreamer, I'm a practical person. Yeah, understood. <laughs> um, but you know, um, one has to have patience as well. Because patience is a virtue and, and patience helps you be you know, it, it's, it's a good thing to have and you, my God, you need patience, you know, especially when it comes to trying to make change, you know, in our community, or trying to raise funds for something that benefits everyone and you, you get bumped into this hard materialistic wall that's so powerful in our community here, you know. But anyway, you eventually mana opened and then not long after that, we have grassroots pantry. Did you, feel, did you feel that it was like competition at the beginning? From your side? No, your point of view? no, okay. because because we were very, very busy, so we didn't you have time to, to even think about to, it. Yeah, and we were doing, you know, fast slow food. We were inventing a new form of fast food. Yeah. Whilst you were going more to do like what we were doing in, in, in life, more yeah. like a la carte, table service, mm-hmm. slow food in a restaurant. So there were there were different business models. But you have, you will have no idea how many times I had been asked the question that do you guys see do you see yourselves as being comp- competitors? I had never ever ever back seen then you, or more ever. recently. No, back then. Yeah. Mm. So I've never seen you guys and Mana and what you guys do as competition. Yeah. Because we just don't serve the same thing. Our yeah. business model is completely different in a way. But for people on the outside, green is green, plant based is plant based, vegetarian is vegetarian. They and can't you know see what the difference. What's interesting is that still in 2011, 2012, people's mindsets were still in that competitive stage. Yeah, well, it still is. I had. Um, I think in the yeah. food world, yeah. it has changed. Yeah. It, before 2012, have you ever, ever, ever heard of restaurants doing pop-ups? No. Cross collabs? Never. No. That really only started because yeah. the way that we run restaurants is try to mention everyone that is involved. Our farmers, you know, who we get our vegetables from, homegrown. We try to collaborate, like we do cooking classes with the homegrown guys. We wanted to do as much collaboration as yeah, possible because yeah. you can never do it alone. You need your community and you need a support of people from all angles of this, this community. Yeah, essential because before that there was no community. No exactly. one cared where the vegetables came from because exactly. everything was hidden, right? Exactly. Yeah. But also back then, vegetarian was seen as a type of food as opposed to. Um, You've got Mexican vegetarian, you've got European Mexican, you've got Asian Mex- uh, vegetarian, you know. People blanketed put vegetarian in a box. So, oh, Bob's is doing vegetarian, Peggy's doing vegetarian, they must be doing the same thing. But it took a while for people to understand that you can have vegan cuisine or vegetarian cuisine from all over the world. Yeah. It's not a type of cuisine, yeah. it's a lifestyle. And this is more understood today, but back then, oh, you're all doing vegetarian, you're all doing the same food. No, she's focused on, you know, South American and I'm focused on 
Timbuktu food. Well, the, the right? reason being also so that's there strange. weren't a lot of options for people yeah. to realize that vegetarian food is not just salads, you no. know. And the point of grassroots was to show people that it is in all cultures, in all different angles, or sorry, all different corners of the world. Just remove the meat. Essentially, we are all vegetarians, you know. The meat was a luxury to yeah. most of us. Back in the day, a long yeah. time ago, yeah. So we had to understand. We had to get people to understand that first and foremost. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's a completely different world. It's just been it's, six it's amazing years. how much we've moved on in six yeah. years, right? Yeah. Amazing. And uh, I wonder where we'd be in another in another six years. I wonder. With the younger generation now coming through and embracing all of these things we've been fighting for for thirty years as a given, yeah. as a given. You know, and um, how do you see it? Yeah, how do you see the new people who are coming into wanting to do internships with you, um, wanting to learn from you guys eventually because their goal and their hope is to open their own cafe as well? What do you, what do you tell them? Well, there's two sides to that. One side is yes, go for it go and open your own thing but make it original don't copy right yes by all means go we need more uh, plant-based restaurants all over the world go but don't be here as a spy don't be here copying our recipes and that of course happened to us um, what three and a half four years ago now this girl came and worked in our kitchen for six weeks and then resigned Chinese girl and then went and opened something in Tim Oh, really? Yeah, without mentioning any names. But they, they copied around? us 100%. They're still around because the market's so big. The demand's so big. But she went to Tim took one of our main chefs. That's terrible. And even copied the tiles on the floor. But instead of getting them handmade in Bali, she had them machine made in China. But uh, uh, copy. Mm. And the name, unbeknownst to her, was a copy. What is it called? Oh, sorry, you can't. Well, I can. I was called Veggie Spinner. Okay. A spinner. Spin off means to copy someone. <laughs> and then we found out. Yeah. And then we went to visit. And the moment we walked in, we could see them panicking behind the scenes. But and eventually it? she came out and yeah. said, Oh, welcome. And she had the grace to offer us the meal for free. Mm and kind of apologized for copying us <laughs> and then the chef who was in the back there came out and apologized and eventually came back to us and said and this should like Peggy he said Bobsy I'm so sorry I betrayed you I didn't understand I didn't realize what was happening and I thought she was going to do something unique she ended up copying mine yeah. so to answer your question yeah, we encourage people to go out and be cultural creatives and change the world and open businesses that are meaningful. But to copy someone and not give credit is below the belt. I think it's it, not ethical. Yeah, from a business standpoint as well, I mean, you can always be inspired by each other. From a chef standpoint, no person ever created the dish the first time. You're no. always inspired by somewhere, something, you know, no painter ate. ever painted without being inspired. Absolutely, yeah. but you can at least mention that you have been inspired 
applied this yeah. or that. Um, because if you don't, and it's just a direct spin-off, and you sell it for cheaper, it's price war. And claim credit for it. Yeah. So I think it not only should we be running ethical businesses just through our food and the beverages, the offerings that we share, the messaging, but also in not just how we treat our people, but how we treat the community. Mm. You, know, you shouldn't open something to compete with other people. And I think that's always been something that I have been against. And what you said about betrayal is everything that I think should not occur anymore. And isn't it funny though, because with our type of lifestyle, this type of holistic lifestyle, we should always be seeing things more Well, we're human after all. We yeah. are of this world. We are of this three-dimensional physical world where appearances really matter. Social media, etc., etc. So we have to feel when someone betrays us, when someone stabs you in the back. Yeah. yeah it, you can forgive them and you must forgive them. And you don't need to go and stab them in the back. Yeah, of course. But your feelings have to be expressed. You have been stabbed in the back by someone. You have to express your feelings, you have to express your pain, right? But what we mustn't do, Peggy, is go and stab them in the back again and attack them. Because at the end of the day, I, I mean, think there's enough wisdom in our community to know who are, you know, the pioneers, who are the original creators, and you do have who integrity. paved the way, who have integrity, who, you know, keep their integrity day and night, 24-7, whether they're losing tons of money or not keep their integrity. I think there's enough people in our community paying attention to this. Many people are not, the majority are not, but I think there's enough people who realize what's going on. And they can tell who's copying who. But I, at the end of the day, it's more just about honoring where you learn things from, honoring your teachers, honoring the people that have inspired you down the line. The Sifu tradition, right? Yeah, we always exactly. In yoga, we always namaste our teachers. Yeah. And in the chef world as well, yeah. we always credit our the chefs that have. You know how silly would it be when you? That's what you actually need. You write a resume, you say who you work with. Right. That actually gives you a better credential. Right. You know. Yeah. How could? How could like trying to avoid being noticed mm. in that kind of way be helpful at all to your, to your business? You know. So. Well, I it's think not. But in the short term, in their selfish minds, yeah. they think they're going to copy and take the credit and you know spread the messages on their social media as we are the original people they think that's going to serve them but at the end of the day it doesn't anyway i mean like the it's point is karma, Peggy. Yeah. It's karma. The, the point is that we really need to work together as a community so one thing that we are working on which i'm very excited about maybe you should Share. Oh, the um, stickers. <laughs> the Mad stickers. Man. We've been busy making stickers. Zero Waste Alliance. Okay. <laughs> Do we have? Okay. Later, later. Oh, I want to give them to Peggy yeah, right now. I saw that though. Yeah, it's the black one, right? Yes. Beautiful. Yeah, I want. Oh, is it up here already? 
This is the beauty of Breakfast with Bobs. It's live. It's not rehearsed. It's not live. Um, it not is live. It live. Oh, yeah. You're going to edit it. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> this is being broadcast live. Hello, Tokyo. Matt, are we London. over 10,000? Huh? Are we over 10,000? Way over? Huh? Way over? 10,000. Oh, signatures on signatures. the petition. Mm. Very okay. close. I think we're like 30. Very, very close. Yeah. I think we were 100 off yesterday or something. Yeah. So yeah, the Zero Waste Alliance. Yes, you have to tell everyone about that. Well, yeah, it, it's um, been put on hold recently in, in a way. I mean, both Grassroots and Mana are getting on with it um, day and night 24-7, right? Mm -hmm. But I think there's a new energy now to like take Zero Waste Alliance to the next step. Yeah. And uh, we've just printed these beautiful uh, our logos, um, which we will give to any establishment that we think is meeting the best practices list or the minimum requirements. Aha, here it comes. So this is the Zero Waste Alliance logo. Um, we've just introduced these new colors that are more aligned, I think, with both our brands and how we're moving. So um, we've created this best practices list that once we take this to the next step, we can um, have um, a system where people can be audited and anyone who's meeting the minimum best practices list can be awarded this sticker to stick on the establishments. Um, but yeah, it's, it's time. It's yeah. time, there's a demand for it, there's an awareness for it, the media is hungry for such news. Uh, I think we might even be getting sponsorship um, so you and I will continue this conversation. Yeah. I mean, the best practices is exactly what the industry needs. Um, both you and David are really, really good with um, the information that you put on your tables and the messaging that you have um, for people to act, for a community, um, for general people to yeah. do, you know, eat less meat, to um, think about the environment, Inspire, to be more okay. yeah. Whereas we grassroots is very system focused in terms of focusing on the chefs, the industry, the food industry itself, how each part of us, whether from farm to supplier to manufacturers, have a say and have a choice that they should make. Just this morning I texted our um, vegetable supplier, uh, they're the backup suppliers, and they sent over mushrooms that were packaged individually and with plastic and placed inside this huge styrofoam box. And then I sent them a few other photos of the trash that was left uh, on our beaches and in um, the Taiwan area after the storm. You st sent it straight to them? Yeah, I sent Wonderful. it straight to them and sent your trash. Yeah. So people don't see that connection no. because if I don't see it, it's not there. And so I think it's awareness. I mean, it might sound naggy and it might create, you know, uncomfort no, no, no. to people, but it's things that like this that need to be done right day away. and night day and yeah. night day and night we, we mustn't we mustn't uh you know take our foot off of the pedal so to speak yeah. um because right now it's a lot easier to tell your vegetable supplier hey styrofoam plastic look at the oceans yeah three four years ago that be huh yeah exactly so and you know with, with the, the super typhoon we just had yeah 
yeah, a lot of people on social media saying climate change, climate change. Yeah. Before a typhoon would come and people would mostly focus on the damage and how unlucky and this and that. Yeah. But now they're all saying, well, it's karma. All the styrofoam we put into the ocean, it's all coming back to us with the high tides, right? Yeah. Even with that, um, the new documentary Dominion that Ula. we went to watch. Um, oh yes. Do you want to talk yeah. about Dominion? That's, you know, as I said, these types of films. It's graphic. It's honest. It's serious. It's underground. Would never have been on you know, uh, the biggest theater screens. No. Ten years ago. No way. But well, it wouldn't have been made ten years ago as yes. well. They were all hidden, and yeah. therefore, how would people know what's actually going on? So this is the beauty of social media, right? Yes. The awareness is spreading rapidly, rapidly. And that, this is the positive side of, of, of social media. Of course, there's a negative side, and we, we don't have to discuss this yeah. um, today. But it is acting as a catalyst, right? And spreading um, this knowledge. And youngsters are, you know, on their Instagram and, 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 and Facebook and they're going, really? I had no idea. There's no way. There's no way I'm going to eat meat again. No way. No, you, you see it. You see their reactions, right? Unless people become completely blind to that feeling of, that feeling of guilt. Yeah. You know, if you're much, much older and you see it and you go, well, yeah, I know, that's life. <laughs> But if you're 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you see it, you go, no way. There's no way. And this is, is happening. And this is an exponential sea change that's happening. And these graphic images, if you used to share it with people, they would call you preachy. But now it's just the truth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it's interesting just how things have changed. But um, another thing that we're very, very focused on is getting our chefs, getting the chefs of society Hong Kong and beyond to start thinking about shifting their menus um, it used to be very meat and vegetable and seafood oh sorry meat and fish and seafood heavy yeah, yeah. Um, now we're asking them to decrease the consumption of meat and decrease the purchase of meat so that they're more produce driven and some of the we have this thing called the collective table which is a pop-up event uh, and we challenge chefs from all over the world to cook completely plant-based meal. It's a fine dining, yeah. seven course, eight course meal. And it creates a lot of interest and media to talk about it because people have always, you know, chefs have always been so um, uh, against having to be more uh, accommodating mm. to customers with dietary restrictions and allergies it's and such. It's kind of new, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. very. Yeah. Uh, but now it's almost like a necessity. Yeah. You have to yeah. have a vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free menu on your menus. And so I think that it, because of this type of change and the challenges that we have um, put in onto other chefs, I think it's just in, immaculate to see that people are so embracing mm. the changes mm. in a way, uh, where some chefs have um, now adopted kind of like up to 70% uh, vegetables and the rest are meat and fish yeah. on their menus. Some have adopted full day vegan menus. Um, some have completely turned vegan, yeah. you know, yeah. which is amazing just to see. Like, Who inspires you the most as a chef in the world today? My goodness. 
Yeah. As a shot. Yeah. Um, as always, as I've always been uh, researching this, uh, Alice Waters has always been mm. the one well, who has inspired pioneers. me. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're not talking about like Dan Barber no, and no, no. Renee Redzepi right now. Um, Alice Waters was one of the first. She started Edible Schoolyard. Mm. I wanted my food not to be just served to customers who pay mm. for it. I mm. wanted it to be served and to teach others mm. how to do it on their own. Mm. You know, um, because what's the point for me to just do yes. it and you buy it? There's yes. no end loop to, yes. to yes. it. You should learn it and then be able to do it on your own. Yes. You know? So I think that. That, that was something that uh, had always inspired mm. me. So Alice Waters, uh, Dan Barber is incredible with everything he does. And recently I was in Copenhagen and I listened to Ben Shuri talk and I find his uh, philosophy very, very uh, empowering as well. Yes, yeah. yeah. What well, food is where we can have the biggest impact on our, on our planet, right? Mm -hmm. Without a doubt. Um, and this is what I've always called the pink elephant in the room. But now everyone can see the pink elephant in the room, and that's called our, our diets. And you know, diet change is not climate change is our mantra, and we're just going to keep on drilling this into people's consciousness until it becomes second nature. But you know, this the sea change that's happening within the culinary world, within the chefing world, chefing schools are teaching students now the beauty of a plant-based menu, of a plant-based cuisine. Not long ago, as you said, it was all meat, fish, and dairy, yeah. and vegetables. The most or something elaborate, like expensive yeah. ingredients. Yeah. So you know, I, I could feel those eyebrows being raised. You know, three, four years ago, when chefs were told, okay. "Well, you have to have a vegan, plant-based, gluten-free menu for your customers," yeah. and all those eyebrows going. But now, of course, like yeah, of course. So. I think the movement, um, the food movement, is unstoppable, inspirational, heading in the right direction. Um, you know, Gen Z and the millennials are embracing it fully. It's second nature to them. And like, of course, we eat vegan food. Of course, you know, well, what do you expect? While you know, my generation, your generation, and older generations, for them, it was a hippie thing. It was radical. It was. So I, I think, Peggy, you know, you and I should uh, give ourselves some credit <laughs> a little bit in Hong Kong for having, you know, been the anchors um, and steadfast and captaining our ships in storms, very big storms. And most people aren't really aware of how difficult it is behind the scenes to, to, to operate a restaurant, full stop, um, but then to operate a restaurant with values and principles and integrity. And to spend a huge amount of your income on, you know, composting your food waste or getting your packaging into biodegradable compostable packaging, people don't appreciate how much effort that takes. Yeah. Um, CSR was used for, used to be a side project for a company. Big buzzword yeah, back when then. They, when they had time, they would do it, and it was a once a year type of thing. Yeah. Uh, corporate social responsibility and I think for both of our business models social responsibility is a part of the everyday life you don't need to think about it yes you just it's a given it. it's yeah. a fact and therefore 
when you do it every single day, down to inspiring and getting your staff to do it every single day, it becomes a habit. Mm. And so when you can get that rolling, that, that kind of ball rolling, you can then continue to grow in yes. different ways. Push the envelopes. Yeah. And so I think that's the difference is that we have always ingrained sustainability as a part of a business mm -hmm. model. Mm -hmm. um, some parts might be more expensive, but some parts are actually cheaper. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been able to decrease our food waste management um, costs by 40% after we've installed Orca, after we've you know, separated our waste with a different um, recycling system and all our glass bottles being recycled. So has your cost of food come down? Or? Our cost of food has come down because we had a better chef. Right. <laughs> and because I've just kind of that's something at very tighter. difficult to keep down, you know, because the price is always going up and up and up, but you don't really change your menu to reflect that, right? No. And the price mostly actually comes from also your brand power. You know, your cost What's of food... <laughs> your cost of food can be controlled by controlling the size of your inventory. We don't keep a large inventory, you know. I can get rid of all of my food in two, two weeks max. But, so that's why like, don't, I would always say like, start small and open and uh, don't order so much at the same time. It sounds like it's more, uh, it's, it's cheaper if you buy bulk, but actually at the end of the day, the amount of waste that is created, you know, it actually equates to the amount same okay. so uh, I, we keep our inventory very small mm. rotational uh, that's how we kind of control our food I'm still eating okay so you want me to talk keep going <laughs> um, how are you <laughs> big question I know <laughs> when people ask me so Bob the Hawaii man that's a big question you know? but it's like when do you ever say I'm not okay mm, I don't I think it's important to. What, what I say sometimes is, not you know, not in my best. I'll be better tomorrow. Today I'm feeling a bit, you know, but tomorrow's another day. Yeah. But then again, who has time to, you know, socially bump into someone? Say, How are you? Great, fine. Okay. Who has time to sit down and be someone's shrink? You know. So important just to ask because sometimes people don't want to say anything until someone actually asks. So, you know, this down. year, yeah, this year has been a very, very mm. difficult, delicious. difficult year. You can't say that about your own food. I, can, I, I will can. say it on camera later. <laughs> no, Peggy Peggy made these truffles earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's been a very difficult year in the culinary world. Um, a few suicides here and there, um, big name chefs. It's just been very tough. We need the support uh, for each other. and. We're always told that we need to be strong, strong for our team, strong for our business, strong for the community, strong for everyone else. Well, that's a very masculine attitude. Yeah. yeah. And so when it, you do show some form of weakness, oh, she's not a good enough manager. She's not good enough leader. You can't take it. Yeah. Yeah. She can't. She can't handle her shit anymore. It makes women not be able to fully express themselves and be women. And be women. Or men in general too. It's like how many times have your parents or my parents told my brother that boys can't cry? Be a man. You know? Be a man. Yeah. yeah. Mm, that's a kind of society that we no longer 
live in, no, things are times changing. Are changing yeah. Yeah, things are changing. But it's so important, no matter what industry we are in, to just extend your hand and ask a friend, you know, randomly, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good today. <laughs> That's good, you know? Because if I don't need to say anything. If I'm really, really not good, I would cry. I would break down. How many times have you broken down in your kitchen? In my kitchen? Mm, well, I, I it, there's a different levels. One of the close to breaking down level is when I throw shit, you know, maybe three times max in the six boiling years. Water. No boiling water. Just knives? No knives. Choppers? No, stop it. I just throw, like, dishes, you know, things like that. But only, only because you're so frustrated to the point of I can't deal with this anymore. And then the next day, I was just saying, like last week, I was, you know, I had a meltdown, and I, all I wanted to do was just be alone and try to heal myself um, through meditation, through my own thoughts, through prayers, through, through thinking positively, through strategizing in the way that we can solve this, find a, find out a solution. Um, and sometimes you don't have that time to really think for yourself. And in grassroots, you know? it's quite public. Where can you go? You can run to the moon, but that's not going to do it, is it? No. You, no, have, I, you have a little cave where you can go to nearby? No, I, I mean, like, I, I just the park, maybe? Alone. Yeah. I, if I'm close to breaking down, I know that I'm at my limit. I need to just be yeah. alone completely. Walk up to the park, right? Even like I can't go to no. <laughs> anyway. In the middle of service. Um, yeah, understood. 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 Yeah. Well, I asked you how you were. And we ended up talking about. There this. was a point at that I say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, understood. Um, we're not robots. We're not machines. And that masculine attitude of you know, you know, stiff, stiff upper lip very English and you know just get on with it and be a man and uh, stand up and stop crying and I think that's passe now you know it, it's, it's passe it's it's passe like you know meat dairy fish heavy diets passe we are changing we are evolving and uh, we're, we're definitely shifting consciousness and this is something I'm very passionate about and uh, you know we're surrounded by some great books here on this table books that have guided me and still do so I can understand the shift we're going through because if we know why we're really empowered and I do care about the why very much so um, not just the how because the how is often obvious but the why is hidden you know and I, I mentioned that at the uh, opening speech for Dominion I think we need to understand why humanity is doing this to its mother to be blunt once we get a grasp of that, I think we can we can see the way out. Um, and this is definitely happening, and this really empowers me. And uh, like we were saying earlier, before we started to roll the cameras, is our, our businesses are not businesses. Mana is not business as usual. Mana is business as unusual. And I'm sure uh, grassroots pantry is, 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 is the same. We use our businesses as tools from day one, yeah. not from day two, 
not after we're successful. From yeah. day one, from beginning to inspire change. Mm -hmm. And businesses should not be separated from charity. They should not be separated from change makers. They should not be separated from forces for good. They are forces for good. And I think this is something that's yet to be grasped by the general public in general. Businesses that are catalysts, change makers, are really in a minority in the world. But the amount of people who are demanding or um, kind of expecting businesses to be change makers is massive. So I think this is where we're going to see more and more businesses in the coming years become change makers. So they behave like a charity, but they're not Absolutely. a charity. There's no need to I be a charity. I always say that we run like a social enterprise. Yeah. Whatever we make, it actually goes straight back into doing something more, you know, creating sustainability reports and all these data that we need to gather so that we can share with people the kind of impact that we're creating. Absolutely, right? yeah. Um, Upgrading our uh, recycling a, systems, yeah. our composting systems, our uh, packaging. Nothing, nothing static, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that type of internal research and internal gathering of data is something that we have to do. Yeah. Just as we do with teaching and training our staff, hiring, you know, disciplining, firing, whatever it is, the everyday operation yeah. stuff. Yeah. It needs to happen yeah. the same same way. Um, as you said, there's gonna be a lot more people who will gain or gather enough power to open businesses that are change makers that yeah. can create change. Yeah. yeah. But I also advise that everyone needs to understand that I'm trying to gather everyone needs to understand that for to create change doesn't actually happen overnight. No, it ain't easy, it ain't cheap. Yes. And to create long-term change, your business model needs to come from your heart. It is not something that you just put on paper, use it as a trend, and expect to move people. It needs to come from the heart mm. at the end of the day. Yeah, not passion, otherwise but it's obvious, actual right? credentials yeah. too. Yeah. So I, I suggest more people to go into it, but really gather, really um, build up your credentials. Ooh, to be strong, work, right? Really work on doing what you want to do long term, not just come in and then yeah. leave. Yeah, not because just then, on a whim. Yeah, because end up then, opening a restaurant because it'll kill you. Yeah, it'll kill you. People think it's easy. Oh, look how easy it is. And how people are going to think be, that you know? it's not going to be sustainable. If you, you know, if businesses open and close overnight, then mm. then people aren't going to see man. it as a sustainable yeah. business. Absolutely. To be sustainable. Yeah. So in every way. So give it a few. But I, I tell you, what is also frustrating is, you know. Um, the restaurant groups out there have a lot of financial backing behind them and they come and they open restaurants within two or three months, bam. Then, you know, a year later they jump so onto another space. restaurant. They make it look very easy. Mini, mini, mini <laughs> That's the way to eat it. They make it look so easy. Mm. And people can't tell the difference between, you know, businesses like Grassroots or Mana. I hate to call them businesses. Establishments like Grassroots and Mana. 
and they compare you to other restaurants, but you can't because we have different values, we have different principles, we have different expenses, we have different raison d'etre, yeah. we have different missions. We're not here to, you know, bankroll and open businesses left, right, and center and put the money into our pockets so that we can buy yachts and mansions. We are here on the ground, dedicated change makers, and yeah. this is not quite translated yet to Hong Kong public mm. and Hong Kong in general, right? Yeah. And a lot of people think that if your restaurant is busy, then you must be making a lot of money. Tons of money. Wow, you're <laughs> raking it in, you know. Yeah. But they don't understand the costs involved. And that's what we see in social media a lot is that people say that we're expensive. But when you factor in literally all of the costs involved, mm. you're only making, if you're safe, 2 to 5% of profit margins. Right. So, People don't understand what operational costs actually equates to. No, they wouldn't. You know, and everyone thinks call, rent is the big one, right? Yeah, no. They don't realize the salary burden, how, yeah, how exactly. big that is. So. Salary, MPF, uh, entrance, there's rent, but then there's government rates, there's a, you know, surprise, uh, surprise hidden costs. Yeah, hidden costs everywhere. Yeah, I mean, for us, a salary burden is, is by far the biggest expense because it's not just the salary, it's the MPF. Yeah. It's the bonuses, it's the insurance, and it's the yeah, food, exactly. it's the uniforms, and it's sick leave, and sick leave. Did I say sick leave? Yeah. <laughs> and sick leave, and sick yeah, leave, right and sick it. leave. It kills us. Yeah, so at the end of the month, your salary burden is not just the checks you pay, it's double that. Yeah. Yeah, that's something that. Is the frustration of uh, restaurant operators. Maddie, yeah. You've learned a lot in the last two years, huh? Year and a half. Yeah. I'm proud of you. You stuck through. <laughs> so important. Mm. <laughs> Why don't you come and say hi? Come and say hello. Yeah. yeah. Show your beautiful face. Well, let's not exaggerate. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> Matt Man. Yeah. The guy behind Mana. Mana and the Zero Waste. All things great. Yeah. yeah. All of the hard work. Trying Welcome nice. to Breakfast with Bob. Thank you. <laughs> maybe I'll have an episode of my own. Maybe, maybe yeah. Maybe uh, next year we'll do one with Matt Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Peggy. Um, Wonderful having you here. This lovely chats. And, yeah. You don't normally get that. Well, yeah. And um, it's good to have a little conversation like this on record, you know, and to look back at it in a few years' time and go, oh, wow, you know. Remember that time. Remember that time and the challenges we had and the inspirations and the change we were making. Mm. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, before the about. cameras rolled, we, yeah. we spoke a little bit about, um, you know, the copycats out there, right? Um, We're not talking about that anymore. <laughs> Please cut all of this, by the way. This cut it like all out. Shivering. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, just to say one final thing that in every tradition, one has to give credit to the predecessors. To the teachers, to the seniors, in every tradition, there's no way you can escape that, mm. right? And whether it's yoga or, or tai chi or qigong or any of these esoteric practices, 
even in, in, in uh, learning any new skill, whether you're an acrobat or a chef or an artist or a singer, you need to humble yourself and give credit to those who came before and then go and do your magic. But in Hong Kong, everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon mm -hmm. and nobody wants to push or pull the bandwagon. By all means, welcome on board the bandwagon, the more the merrier, right? But please do get off and do a bit of pushing and pulling and not sitting up there waving your social media flag, mm -hmm. taking credit for, you know, decades of hard work. And well, this is one of the purposes of Breakfast with Bobsy is I want to meet um, change makers who inspire me and you inspire me Peggy. Really? <laughs> some are famous, some are less famous, but everyone who's appeared on, on Breakfast with Bolton so far is, is a change maker. Whether people know about them or don't know so much about them. But the purpose of this show is to, to kind of catalogue the change that's happening in our beautiful city Hong Kong right now by having just casual conversations that are not scripted, not edited, nothing. Just, this is who we are, how we are. And introducing the beautiful Peggy Chan, who needs no introduction, to our beautiful Hong Kong. On that note... Thank you. On that note, thank you. <laughs> on that note, thank you, Peggy. Keep fighting the good fight. Yes, I.